There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir. They have the car stopped in Tampa Ranch, Michael Biden. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, retired NYPD sergeant, 27-year veteran. And with me today, straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective, Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing today, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy, and I just love that open. That uh, the, new, uh, the new open, I love it. Yeah, I think it's, pre- it's pretty damn good, too. You know, folks, we apologize. We had some technical difficulties, and what it amounted to was that because I, I covered the Buffalo story uh, yesterday and I, uh, the title was something like, you know, let's um, pray for the victims, whatever. Facebook removed us, said that it was too violent of an episode. So I deleted the old episode and I tried to reload it to see if that was a mistake. And it wasn't. And there was where the um, technical difficulties came in. So I had to delete that again and reload it. And here we are at uh 120 instead of uh 1 p.m exactly thank you mark zuckerberg yeah thank you mark zuckerberg you know you're flaking in your politics on the site that makes you billions of dollars Mm. so folks uh you know a lot of stuff going on not not such great stuff a lot i mean we as i said we covered that buffalo story which is just horrendous you know again well let's call it what is a white supremacist goes there with a um semi-automatic rifle and what we would call him in the police vernacular would be an active shooter. He goes there specifically to kill black people. How outrageous. And no one is covering that up. Outrageous. And, you know, something, the, the Buffalo police officer who we've rallied and just called him a hero, uh, just unbelievable guy, stands up to a an active shooter with a semi-automatic bush rifle and gets in a gunfight with him, but the guy's wearing body armor and the Buffalo officer loses his life and just. Billy, I just want to make a comment about Aaron Swanta. I watched the video and you could see him. uh, He did have cover, but looked like behind some soda machines and he didn't run or retreat. He tried to face down the gunman. Unfortunately, the gunman had such uh, heavy firepower and those ballistic, uh, a ballistic helmet and ballistic vest uh, with plates in them. So he did strike him. There was a gunfire uh, exchange between uh, that hero police officer, Aaron Saunta. And uh, I think that uh, unfortunately he lost his life and his name could not be said enough. Uh, dealing with a psychotic individual. Obviously, you, you made the point he was a racist. He was... Uh, uh, therefore, the the, uh, the the unfortunate uh, white supremacist ideology, we denounce that on this show. We denounce it again. Any type of racism for any reason, whether it be against white, black, Hispanic, uh, Asian, whatever it is, uh, we denounce it. Uh, he was obviously very, very mentally ill, showed no emotion. And uh, that officer is a true hero. He didn't run. He probably could have ran and tried to take... Uh, further cover deeper into the store or try to exit the store. However, he faced him down. And I don't think enough could be said about that officer, a hero, a true American hero. Um, you know, absolutely. So, you know, let's get to today's um, 
case here. This is uh, Gonzalo Lopez, and uh, this is day number six where he escaped from a prison bus six days ago. Uh, they're now offering a $50,000 reward. Phil and I have spoken about this case off the air, and it just, it's fugazi to me, which I just, how this guy, A, obtained a weapon. Phil, you got to explain fugazi. Not everybody knows oh, that. Fugazi is a term meaning there's something not right here. Something's, something's rotten, rotten in Denmark. In Denmark. Maybe people remember that yeah. that term, something's rotten in Denmark. Fugazi is just the Italianization of that. Uh, so it's a Fugazi. But something is yeah. not right. He somehow gets on this bus with a weapon. Was the weapon planted on the bus? He gets out of his shackles or his restraints. Again, uh, screw up number two. Somehow he gets into the fenced-in area that protects the driver attacks the driver of the bus. There's a guy in the back of the bus with a shotgun. Where is he when all of this stuff is going on? Something is not right, Phil. Absolutely, Billy. I just feel, uh, based on the story that I, I did all my research today on it, I hadn't really focused on this case because there were so many other things that were going on. We talked about the Buffalo shooting and all the different things that were going on in the last few days. But I looked it up today and Listen, something doesn't sound right. Like you said, he gets on the bus with that, uh, some type of a, a weapon, probably a sharp instrument because it said that he did stab the, uh, the driver of the vehicle. Now he manages to get out of his handcuffs, his shackles, whatever it may be. Then he cuts through a, a caged in gate. You know, the, the prisoners in those, uh, buses are caged in that, so that they can't have access to the driver. And then there's another gate in the back, it sounds like, where the second officer was with the shotgun. Now, all of this is going on. He cuts through the gate. He gets out. He attacks the driver. The driver stops the vehicle. Where's the guy with the shotgun? He is unaware of this. I don't know where he is. They exit the bus, uh, you know, engage in a physical altercation off the bus. Then he manages to get in the bus, take off with the bus. The other uh, officer exits the bus from the back and he manages very conveniently to shoot out the rear tires. And then uh, Gonzalo Lopez flees on foot. So I don't know, just too much, too many moving parts in this whole, whole thing. It just sounds a little too. You know what, Phil, my, my question is if you can shoot out the tires, why can't you shoot out the prisoner? Exactly. I mean, exactly. Something is not right there. Patty Banks, thank you for the 199 super chat. Got off handcuff, leg irons, inside job. No medical appointment. You know, something, as we said, using our New Yorkisms, something is fugazi here. Yeah. And we don't like it. We don't like the way this smells. And what's the old expression? Um, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it's if it has a beak like a duck, it's a duck, you know? And so, you know, I want to play a little bit of Ashley Banfield. She's one of my favorites, actually. She was on our show a while ago. Excellent. Uh, we, we love Ashley Banfield. And we're going to put her on. She's a good interviewer. She asked the tough questions, and I like that about her. Now, for four days, literally has nothing to lose. Gonzalo Lopez was serving two life sentences for capital crimes in the early 2000s. When he stabbed the driver of his prison bus last Thursday and got away when the bus went off the road. This was in rural Leon County, smack dab between Dallas in Houston. Tonight, Lopez is on the state's 10 most wanted list, and there's a $50,000 reward for information leading to his arrest. 
My next guest is the point man for a Texas-sized manhunt. Robert Hurst is the public, public information officer for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Thank you so much for, for joining me tonight. First and foremost, tell me this extraordinary story that, uh, that sort of spurled out in, in, the, uh, in the prison bus and how this inmate got away. Ashley, the bus was headed from Gatesville, Texas to Huntsville, Texas, coming down Highway 7 eastbound towards Interstate 45, about two and a half miles to the west of Centerville in Leon County. Gonzalo Lopez was able to somehow work his way up into the driver's compartment of the bus. He cut out the bottom of the door that separates the driver's compartment from the area where the inmates are seated during a transport. We still don't know how he did that. Some type of sharp object. When he got cut out the bottom of the door, doesn't that make a lot of noise to do that? How is that possible? I would think a hacksaw or some type of cutting instrument. And you're right, Billy. I mean, how much noise could have there been on the bus to cover up that type of, uh, you know, uh, soaring? I don't know. Something doesn't sound right. You know, there. Did he bring his own jackhammer? How did he do that? I just cannot imagine that. <laughs> Got into the driver's compartment of the bus. He began fighting with the officer. That's when he stabbed him in the left hand, also stabbed him in the chest. The officer quickly and smartly and heroically brought the bus to a stop. When he did, he and the inmates spilled out into the, the ground outside of the bus, continued fighting. The officer that was armed with a shotgun in another area in the back of the bus went through the emergency exit and realizing what was... Oh, was the other officer in a different zip code? How long did it take him to react from the back of the bus to go outside the bus and shoot this guy? This sounds like gross incompetence or they're in on it. I just, I just, this guy, this deputy commissioner, public information guy, he's not selling this job too well. Was happening, shot out the back tires of the bus. Lopez then got back on the bus and drove away with the back tires shot out. He only got about a mile down the road and lost control of it. And then it went over into a culvert on the westbound side of Highway 7. The two officers caught up with the bus, and that's when they saw Lopez running across a cow pasture northbound into a wooded area. They did fire their service weapons at him. They did fire the shotgun at him, but we don't think he got hit. So since that time, around 2 o'clock on Thursday afternoon, we quickly set up a perimeter around about a five-square-mile area just west of Centerville in Leon County. All indications are to us, he's still back there. We don't think he got away. So we have got a search going on right now with over 300 law enforcement personnel. We've got the assistance of the U.S. Marshals Service. We've got the Department of Public Safety, Leon County Sheriff's Department, other law enforcement agencies from around the area, as well as officers who are taking their time off and volunteering to come out here and help us look for this very dangerous man. Back in 2004, he shot at a sheriff's deputy down in South Texas in Webb County. He was charged with attempted capital murder for that case. And then a short time later in 2005, he kidnapped a man, offer, uh, demanded a ransom. It was not paid. And when the ransom was not paid, he killed the man with a pickaxe. He's serving a life sentence capital murder conviction for that situation, for that case as well. 
He's a very dangerous man. We've got to get him back in custody. There's a $50,000 reward for any information that's going to lead to his apprehension and conviction. So why do you think he's still in the area? If uh, if the rumors are true that he's part of the Mexican mafia, why would you not think he's be, he'd be headed straight for the border? There's nothing to indicate to us that he's not back there. We have not received any credible, concrete information or evidence to say that he's not back there. So that's why we are continuing to search for him in this area. So then that begs the other question. Uh, as part of the Mexican mafia, do you all suspect that they are going to help him and that he won't be alone for long? That's a question that I can't answer because we're all we're only concentrating right now on finding him. I can't address anything about the Mexican mafia. The main concern that the Texas Department of Criminal Justice and all these law enforcement agencies have is in finding Gonzalo Lopez, getting him back in custody and putting him behind bars. Yeah, I mean, that's just harrowing the story of the, the, the person he kidnapped in 2005. And when he didn't get his ransom, he killed him with a pickaxe. I mean, that tells you, you know, the lethality of this uh, of this inmate. So the other question I, I have for you, Robert, is that if he is indeed involved with the Mexican mafia, uh, do you fear that residents in that area are going to be too terrified to, to get involved and to, to, you know, give the tip or, you know, get the money, uh, the reward money for fear that there'd be a reprisal from the Mexican mafia? Texans are a hearty bunch and Texans do not fear the Mexican mafia. So I'm going to tell you right now, the folks that live out here in Leon County, they're helping us. They know that we're going through their properties looking for this man. They're assisting us. They know that we are going to get this man back in custody. We're, they're, they're, they're not necessarily concerned about the Mexican mafia. They're concerned about Gonzalo Lopez, and they're doing everything they can to help us get him back in custody. They're giving us information about any possible sightings, anything on their property that might be of a suspicious nature that might. Phil, let me ask you something. Is this guy giving you confidence that they know what the hell they're doing? Not really. It doesn't sound like it. I, I, the only thing I can think of is uh, maybe they are aware that maybe the officers are in on it and they're just trying to put that out there very vaguely. So that way, you know, they can zero in on them. I don't know. But does it? he doesn't give me uh, he doesn't strike me as very confident in what he's saying. Confident or, or competent. Neither yeah. one. He's, I'm not really getting a lot of confidence from this guy. No. But I'd just like to remind everyone in New York, in upstate New York, in a place called uh, Clinton Correctional Facility, Danamora was the name of the prison, two lifers escaped there in 2017. And you would have thought that they were uh, these heroes from TV. Governor Cuomo went on the air and said, oh, this is right out of a television prison. The idiot, who was a former Manhattan DA, starts praising these two lifers before he even knew what the hell happened. And I'm saying this too. They know a lot more that's going on here. And they're all, all they keep saying is how dangerous he is. We know he's dangerous, but you obviously didn't consider that by having two guys on a bus with no chase car and 15 other inmates on the bus. So let's stop saying how dangerous he is. We know that. All right. But you should have taken that into consideration before you put inadequate facilities on this bus inadequate security also no video camera oh geez was that an accident i think there's a lot of uh, cya going on here 
I do too. Let's keep playing this guy. Let's see what else he has to say. I say that he's been on their property at some time. So we're looking for him back here. So um, I lived in Texas for a number of years and I know full well in, um, you know, <laughs> this time of year and beginning of June, it is an uncomfortable temperature. Are you thought is the thought process that he's not going to be able to last out there uh, particularly because of the heat and that you can just wait him out yes and and let me tell you that if he's thinking about trying to maybe drink out of some of the farm tanks that are back here <laughs> that's not going to play well for him yeah. and anybody that's a farmer or a rancher knows what i'm talking about um He's Phil, stay away from those farm tanks. You never know what's in those things. It's not Chianti, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. He's going to play a waiting game with us, but we're going to wait him out and we're going to get him. We're not going to back off. We are not going to call this search off until we have him in custody. And from what I understand as well, uh, speaking of Texas being hot, the, the, the choppers that are looking for him have heat-seeking uh, technology on board as well. So far, you know, four days on the run, that, that hasn't played out. Is there a temperature issue with that, or can the heat-seeking deal with uh, the, the hot Texas temperatures as well as uh, a live person on the ground? Well, I'm, I'm not really technical-minded when it comes to that kind of stuff, but the, the, the Department of Public Safety is the one that has the helicopter. You'd need to talk to them about that, but we appreciate the assistance of the Department of Public Safety with their helicopter, as well as the U.S. Marshals Service and the other law enforcement agencies that are out here helping us look to get this very dangerous man back in custody. He did a very yeah, bold and dangerous thing. He did a very bold and dangerous thing, but our officers, the two officers that were on the bus, they acted very heroically. They did what they knew they had to do to keep him from getting that bus and driving it. Dude, I don't think you're convincing it. They, they did such a great job. You know, I think that there was some, a lot of levels of incompetence here. And folks, uh, Phil used the term CYA for you guys not from New York. That stands for cover your ass, which is what seems to be going on with this public information gentleman here who all he can say is how dangerous this guy is and don't drink from the tanks on the farms. You know, I mean, <laughs> this guy, this is day number six. You have no information. There's nothing new. You think he's laying down somewhere, laying low. It's 90 degrees in Texas. Yeah. Uh, Billy, let me comment on the heat seeking technology on the helicopter that they're talking about. If the ground temperatures in the nineties and a person's uh, body temperature is 98.6, it can be very difficult at night when the temperature is lower, possibly could be uh, utilized. But during the day, I don't think, uh, you know, the, the, the heat seeking technology is going to be uh, very, very, uh, you know, uh, effective because of the fact that the temperature is very warm during the day there. Now, if it's in the seventies and you have a, a person's body heat is 98.6, possibly you could do something at that point. But, uh, I, I, I think he dodged that question because he, he didn't want to say what I just said. So bottom yeah. line is, is it, it works on temperatures. And if the ground temperature is the same or close to the body temperature of a human being, it's going to be difficult to, uh, utilize further with 15 other inmates on board had he gotten further away we might be dealing with an entirely different situation right now both of those officers would be commended for their heroic actions. no i don't think they should well, be speaking of that driver this, he was stabbed in the hand and in the chest if this was the nypd we'd already be getting suspended
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, the policy in New York, if a, a prisoner escapes while you're in control of that prison, you get suspended. But the other thing is the uh, he he's kind of praising them. And I would be interviewing the officers, obviously, but I'd be interviewing the 15 inmates to see if the the, the story that they're going to give is going to jive with what the officers are saying. Well, Phil, and that's then- what I was saying, like in the Danamora thing, the governor of New York State was praising the inmates escape before he knew anything about the story behind it. And then when it came out that they had help, all of a sudden he was, uh, you know, chewing on his words, you know? Yeah, well, we know we know how uh, the story ended for Governor Cuomo, so I don't put too much in anything that he said. Well, but what I'm drawing a parallel here is that this guy also, this public relations guy, is going to eat his words too because he's saying nonsense that doesn't fit what happened. Yeah, I think there's ways to, to you know, uh, to – piece it all together and then to corroborate it, you know, you're going to take the officer's statements of the two officers and you're going to talk to the inmates on the bus. And if everything doesn't line up and then you're going to have physical evidence, you'll be able to look at too, you know, uh, the, the struggle, uh, there, there had to be a, a time frame. How long was the struggle? Was it seconds? Was it a minute? You know, all of that needs to be looked at. And then, you know, a hard interview of the two officers. And then, you know, if it doesn't line up, then you have to really, you know, drill down and say, guys, your story's uh, full of holds here. You know, you're looking at time in jail. What's the story here? So that's what I'd be doing. I find it camera. amazing that there was no video camera on this. This is not school that's another, children. Yeah. This is inmates, dangerous, yeah. dangerous inmates from a prison. Were they sitting there singing the schools, the, the wheels on the bus go round and round? What were they doing? You know? And where's the video chase camera. car, Billy? Where's the chase car? No I mean, chase car, right. It's it just crazy. Let's keep playing here, see what he has to say. Uh, how is he doing? He's doing fine. He's assisting us with our investigation as well as the officer that was in the back with the shotgun. They're both doing well. Thank you for asking. Do you have any idea how this inmate got a, I mean, the the, the colloquial is a shank, right? Some kind of a sharp instrument that he was able to get out of his cuffs on the prison bus and then cut that hole, like you said, in the partition between the inmates and, and the driver. Any idea how he would have, A, been able to get out of the cuffs and B, been able to get that shank on board and then C, cut that uh, low partition and get under there all uh, unnoticed. That'll be part of our ongoing investigation to find out exactly how he was able to do that. That'll be part of our ongoing investigation. Robert, the other question is, does he have any friends or family uh, in this area? I mean, obviously one of the, the number one things you do is you fan out to every connection someone like this has ever made because usually they need some help and oftentimes they get it. Uh, does he have anybody like that in this area? Not that I've been notified of. And even if he did, we wouldn't talk about it publicly. But I I am not aware of anybody like that. I haven't been told about anything like that. Any thought that the other 15 inmates on the bus had anything to do with this, gave him cover, were part of the effort to conceal him while he was cutting the hole? Like, Did they have any culpability in any of this? That'll be part of our ongoing investigation to find out if he had any assistance from anybody else. Do you think it was just his own plan to get away himself or was he going to try to get all 15 of those other guys out with him? That's a question that I can't answer. That's something that you would have to ask Gonzalo Lopez. I don't know how I'm doing. All I'm concentrating on right now is providing you information on how we can get this man back in custody. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time, Robert, to talk to us. I can see that the, you know, the officers are out there behind you in the 
hot Centerville, Texas uh, night. So good luck and, you know, keep us surprised of this manhunt. Uh, this is a very, very dangerous man who's out there. Thank you for your work. Ashley, if I can add one more thing. Um, anybody that's watching your program, if they've got any information, whether they think it's credible or not, if they would, if they've got any information that they think would lead to the arrest and uh, conviction of this man again, please call our Crime Stoppers tip line. I see you've got the graphic up on the screen right now. $50,000 reward. That's a lot of money that could help a lot of folks out right now. So if anybody's got any information that can help us find him, please give us a call. Let us know. And Robert, they can call their local Crime Stoppers, right? Like the network is vast. They all connect with each other. If they don't get that written down quick enough after the, you know, the graphic goes down, they can call their local police. They can call uh, Crime Stoppers and you'll get that information, right? Absolutely. They can call their local law enforcement agency, say that they've got some information that they think might be helpful in us helping us capture him again. Absolutely. Call your local law enforcement agency and, and let them know that you've got a tip that needs to be passed on to the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. All right. Well, Robert, we're going to check in with you periodically and see how that, uh, you know, that effort is going. And good luck out there. Be careful. Tell your agents out there, too, to be careful. Thank you for watching. Click the so that's where they're at right now with this. Uh, he's not giving me a lot of confidence that they know where the hell this guy is. Uh, you know, it's this is this day number six. Day number six. Some there's been some people saying that the Mexican mafia may be helping him. And uh, for those not um, conversus with the Mexican mafia, they're also known as La Ma, and they control many Hispanic street gangs in Southern California. And they demand taxes from them if they want to maintain control over their territory, sell drugs, and commit other crimes. Since members of these street gangs can expect to end up in prison at one point or another, where they have to depend on the protection and goodwill of the Mexican mafia, many Hispanic gangs are aligned with the Mexican mafia and have added 13 to the name of the gang in reference to the 13th letter of the alphabet, M. So the this Mexican mafia really is a is a prison gang. It started in prison. And again, most of these guys, they wind up in prison at some point. So they're looking for the protection of the Mexican mafia, whether Gonzalo Lopez is affiliated with them or whether they are in fact helping him or trying to help him. We, we, your guess is as good as ours. We don't know that. Billy, I'm seeing some parallels here to the Vicky white situation. Uh, I, I think that, Right off the bat, like I said, there was no chase car. Uh, there's no video cameras. Now, was there communication between the two officers in the bus with uh, wherever their uh, their jail is? Uh, did they radio for help? Uh, these are the things that I'd want to know. And it just sounds all too convenient, all of these different protocols that are in place I mean, how does he, he he saw through that gate? That's obviously some of the people in the chat are saying maybe it was pre-sawed or something like that. All right, that's possible. But there's too many other outliers here, things that aren't really uh, making sense to me. Uh, we talked about uh, the chase car and all of that. And the guy in the back, he exits the vehicle from the back, from the emergency exit. And in that time, he's not able to get to the front of the bus and take control of the situation when his partner is fighting with the guy. or if he runs back onto the bus. He wasn't able to shoot at the driver of the vehicle. He shoots out the tires. Just sounds a little bit too convenient to me. And again, if he's out in the woods all these days, what is he eating? What is he drinking? 
the elements are, are really, really, uh, if he's, you know, not in some type of shelter, the elements are horrible conditions this time of the year. And then you have wildlife. There's so many other different things. Uh, you know, in the first couple of hours, he's probably starving. He may, uh, if it was, you know, everything that they're saying that they think is going on, he'd probably give up then. But I don't know. It's just too many, too many things, unanswered questions here. It's very suspicious to me. And us being law enforcement, we're skeptical of what people tell us uh, that's what our job is. And you have to get to the true facts. And I think that's what needs to be done in this case. Uh, we may not be getting that from the public information officer, but uh, something is uh, something just not right. Something is fugazi. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sarah nail the fugitive probably found a burner phone under the bus seat and the mafia picked him up. Very possible. That could have a phone could have been planted on that bus. So many other inexplicable things are going on with this bus, you know, and uh, this is, this is smelling of an inside job, at least to Phil and I, who are two very suspicious individuals to begin with. I don't like this. I don't like how this smells. The other thing is when this public information guy talking about, Oh, we have no information that he left the area. Therefore we're going to concentrate on the same area, dude. I mean, are you kidding me? How do you you have no information that he left the area? So you're just going to concentrate on this little block. Is that is that how the federal marshals do it? I don't know. I think there has to be an investigative component to this whole thing. Questioning people. Has anyone seen this guy? You got a helicopter. Get the damn helicopter up there. You know, has those heat-seeking things where they can look at night and see if they spot a human being out in the field or anything like that. I'm not impressed with this search. Yeah, Billy, uh, something, something's not right here, but, uh, every jail in the country, every single jail has informants within the jail where the prison population, they make contact with, uh, uh correction offices. They have correction offices that are assigned to gather information on whether it be gangs or gather Intel on specific things that are going on inside the jail. So again, that's one of the other things that would probably be being done at this point. Um, I can't believe that everyone involved in the jail could be corrupt and in on it. So it's possible that these two, you know, I would be skeptical of these two correction officers that are on this bus. I'd definitely be skeptical of them. Everything could be true that they're saying it could have happened this way. However, I'd want to corroborate it, find out for sure. I want to be satisfied that what they're saying happened and took place is really what happened and took place. And again, these are all the different techniques that we would utilize that informants in the jail. That's a big thing. And, uh, hard interviews of every inmate that was on that bus. If you find slight in, uh, you know, discrepancies between what they're going to tell you, that's okay. But if you have major discrepancies and again, you know, there's uh, who knows who was on that bus. I'm sure they're not all lifers. Maybe there's somebody in there that's for a short period of time and they can get a better placement in a different jail or something. You can work things out uh, providing they give information. So all those things would be uh, steps that I'd be taking had I been involved in this uh, investigation. Absolutely. Folks, this is Police Off The Cuff Real Crime Stories. If you're not subscribed to this channel, please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. If you want to support this podcast, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And we also have a channel membership on our YouTube with five different levels. And you see the folks in the chat with the green font, they're members of our channel. They support us and we appreciate them uh, extremely. Someone in the chat wants to know how to spell Fugazi. F-U-G-A-Z-I is as good as any. 
I think it, it might be spelled with a Y at the end, but F-U-G-A-Z-I is, is okay in my book. Check uh, out the movie Donnie Brasco. They use it yeah, quite Donnie a Donnie Brasco, a Fugazi oh, is yeah. also a diamond that's fake. It basically means it's fake. Something's not right. Yeah. Something's rotten in Denmark, as they say. Remember that was that? I forget what play that was from. Uh, something's rotten in Denmark. I've used that so many times in my life, but I never really uh, researched the uh, origins of it. But yeah, when they say something's rotten in Denmark, we know what they're talking about. Yep. Schmitty, thank you for the $2 super chat. Help from incompetent officers or lack thereof. Something is not right here. Uh, I don't like when people before the investigations even completed, they start praising these guys. What if they have to eat their words down the road and they find out, these guys were in fact involved in the escape. Are they going to say how wonderful they did their job? You know, I think that's uh, they got to be careful what they say. I have tonight. Uh, Luis, appreciate your time. What more can you tell us about this Mexican mafia, this prison gang? Um, thank you very much for having me. Well, this prison gang, uh, Mexican mafia, is it's been in the U.S. and it's uh, U.S.-born um, gang, but with strong ties to Mexican cartels or Mexican criminal organizations. Um, the Mexican mafia has been behind um, links with cartels like Los Zetas now um, disappeared and Cartel del Golfo now operating in the area of uh, Laredo and Nuevo Laredo, Texas. How dangerous are they? Well, they are completely ruthless. Uh, we're talking about like maybe the most dangerous cartel in Mexico right now. They are responsible for many killings. They're responsible even for attacking um, U.S. federal uh, officers in, in the Mexican side of the border. Uh, they are responsible as well. I don't know if you recall the um, 72 migrants were killed in, in, in Mexico, northern Mexico. That's, that's what we're dealing here with. Uh, with, with that specifically um, uh, criminal organization. So this inmate escaped in Centerville, which is between Dallas and Houston. How prevalent is this Mexican mafia in that area of Texas? It's really strong, but I think if, um, if, if Gonzalo is trying to go south, I think he'll be looking at a bigger protection of this part of Mexican mafia, because Mexican mafia has a lot of uh, presence in uh, areas like uh, Laredo, El Paso, um, all that, all that uh, border area of Texas and Mexico. So let's say if he tries to run towards Mexico, it will be really hard to actually get him because I'm pretty sure that he has ties to some of the criminal organizations that are, that are going to actually... Yeah, you can only run from Mexico into the United States. You can't from running from the United States into Mexico. <laughs> I had to say that. Protect him once he, he gets to the border. So do you think that he's still in that area or do you think he's long gone? What I will say, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he's gone from the area and he's heading south. I mean, that's the that's the usual in these cases. When inmates um, that manage to escape, they immediately go, go south. And, and in this particular case, him being part of a, a Mexican mafia gang with ties to the Mexican criminal organizations, I wouldn't really be surprised if he is uh, trying to get across the border into Mexico. What more can you tell us, Luis, about this 2004 incident where Lopez ran away from police and he stayed hidden with the help of some cartels? Um, was that the same cartel that we're talking about now? 
Yes, that's the same cartel. It was originally reported as La Maña, but La Maña uh, is just a way to say mafia or, or cartel in, in that specific region of Mexico, which is uh, Nuevo Laredo, Monterrey, Nuevo Leon area. Um, so he was um, he was reported as being as being part of La Maña, but that's that's how they say cartel. And but his his ties were with Los Zetas. He was uh, pretty active before uh, 2005. And in those years, Los Zetas were ruling basically the whole uh, states of Nuevo León and, and places like T Tamaulipas as well, and specifically the border uh, with the U.S., because uh, that's where they operated um, getting drugs across. What more can you tell us about the situation at the border and how they would prepare for him to try and cross? Because um, right now we're hearing they're zeroing in on sort of a 10 square mile radius, but they have to be prepared that he may try to get into Mexico. Yes, definitely. I mean, I think it's going to be crucial to have uh, vigilance on southbound, um, going going south, going into Mexico, because um, I'm, I don't know if he's going to hide for a while, he's going to hide for maybe days so he can um, advance slowly into Mexico, because I, I will say that that will be his um, his uh, options, his, his first options. He's escaping life, and I'm guessing he's not going to want to stay in the U.S., especially with what he did now. So the most um, obvious is that he's going to go and look for protection with a criminal organization in Mexico. Well, after his escape, uh, he was added to the state's most wanted list. He is a dangerous fugitive with a very, very dangerous and violent past. Um, you know, Phil, one of the things I wanted to say is I think this guy is making a hell of a lot more sense than the public relations guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, you know, obviously saying, I don't think he's in the same area. He's moved on and i agree this is day number six can you see him laying low in the same area or no he's got to he's got to be moving and probably moving at nighttime so and moving yeah. through the backwoods yeah he can't he can't be uh laying low for six days without help he's got to have help uh 100 if he still is still in the area uh i don't know you know how he's going to get out of there. It seems like they have it locked down, but uh doesn't seem likely at this point. I think he's moved on from the area, if you ask me. Uh, someone in the chat, Nichelle, that's, uh, isn't he dressed in white? Not like he can blend in. Why don't they have medical people come to the prison instead of driving them to the appointments, especially in an old bus with no cameras, at least. You raise a lot of points, Michelle. I would say he's not in his prison outfit anymore. He probably stole some clothes off a line somewhere, or he had some pre- uh, ordained location where he's going to get different clothes. I think this guy's probably has help out there. I really feel that in my bones and I don't feel he's in the area that this PR guy is saying, Oh, he's in the same 10 mile. I don't, I don't agree with that. And I could be well, wrong, he, but uh, he, he's linked to the Mexican drug cartels. There's a lot of money flowing around with them for them to throw money towards this uh, escape plot is not, you know, out of the realm of possibility. So, uh, and it sounds like there was some planning here. I mean, he managed to get out of his shackles, get out of his handcuffs, sort through the gate, engage with uh, the officers, take over the bus, all of the different things that took place. So uh, it, it sounds like there was a lot of planning going on here. And uh, it just seems very odd that he runs into uh, a field and, He's not captured right away. I th would think that they radioed right away. They got into there quickly. So some something, yeah, something smells lousy here. You know, Phil, I all I remember too is uh, from 27 years of going to the NYPD firearms range is they pretty much told us don't ever shoot at a tire. 
that it's, uh, you know, it's not a smart thing to do because it can hit the tire and ricochet back and wind up killing you. And the fact that he shot the bus tires, to me, that's that's movie stuff. I just, it's, yeah. that's. That, that component of it struck me is like well, my reading about a, a, a movie plot. You know, it sounds, sounds very odd. Uh, I, I don't know. Just the, the whole thing. There's five or six things that don't sound right to me. And uh, I don't know. I, I, well, I'm sure we're going to get to the bottom of it. They'll figure it out at some point. And they may be not putting it out there, what they really believe took place because of, uh, you know, they want to keep uh, the offices that could be, possibly involved, you know, on the same side as them. So, you know, cooperating. Well, look, Phil, even, uh, you know, in the Danamora thing, they didn't find out the truth till weeks later. And you had the governor of the state, like acting like this was a big mystery. But you know what, what people don't understand and what they refuse to do is to wait because investigation takes time and they don't want to wait. So they just try to fill in the blanks with untruths. But you have to wait for good investigation. It takes time, you know. A hundred percent. And when when you have protocols in place, I mean, these things are well thought out with regard to, uh, you know, keeping prisoners, uh, you know, in custody and the transport of these, the safe transport of prisoners. It's well thought out. And if all the protocols are followed, the chances of an escape, other than an attack from outside by numerous people, I would say the chances of escape are almost zero. So again, protocols uh, are not followed. There's kinks in the armor. There's obviously some problems that we've, you know, made all the points here. And, you know, it's all going to be figured out as we go down the line. Like you said, Billy Dill, investigation will reveal what, you know, exactly took place. But uh, as long as the protocols are in place and they're followed and you don't, uh, you know, compromise on any of them, then uh, these escape plots are just not going to happen. Uh, Laura Gravervolt, uh, what about the one who escaped in Oregon on or about the same day? He was caught. He was caught yeah, he uh, was very captured. shortly after that. Another dangerous guy uh, actually met with his girlfriend who picked him up and raped her and held her hostage. I mean, just a horrendous, horrendous situation. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. If you like real crime stories from a police perspective, please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell, and give us a thumbs up. And you can support us on Patreon or on our YouTube channel by becoming a member of the police off the cuff family rhino t this entire scenario seems irresponsible and negligent starting with not enough guards to widely firing at tires and the escapee there has to be cameras on every transport vehicle rhino t i agree with you i totally 100 agree with you share with people at home uh, what he's done um, that has people so worried that he is out there on the loose well, he, he was part of one of the most ruthless organizations. He's responsible for, for, for killings. And especially, I, I think Gonzalo is specifically dangerous because he's uh, looking at, you're, we're looking at someone who was already convicted to, for life, you know? So he's not really, he hasn't, he doesn't have any more to lose. You know, like basically that's, that's he's, he's killed before, he's kidnapped before. He was actually um, convicted for a murder for a $4,000 uh, drug debt in, in 2005, if I'm not mistaken, of a woman, actually. So he, we're talking about a pretty violent person, uh, well-connected into the criminal world and with a long career of being um, a criminal. 
Right. He is serving two life sentences in 2006 for capital murder, attempted capital murder. Um, a lot of people in the area, especially around Centerville, pretty nervous tonight with this guy on the loose. Um, there's a lot of manpower. Um, we're talking about police officers on horseback, canines, and even um, investigators in the air using thermo imaging to try and find him. Talk to us about the latest on the search and what you're hearing from your sources on where they're at. Any, anything well, he's left behind in terms of evidence or a trail? I'm not, I'm not really, um, I haven't really heard if he left any evidence or, or something. I know that the search for, for him is, is really wide and he's very focused, but, um, but I, will, I will say that it's, it's not going to take long before um, authorities are now looking into the, into the Mexican border. Because, I mean, if he managed to actually hurt and try to kill um, an officer, you know, like he's capable of, of doing right. anything and everything. They're not, so, not taking any chances. Uh, Luis, hey, we appreciate you giving us an update tonight on this situation as we all follow it very closely. Thank you again for your time. Again, there is a $50,000 reward for this fugitive. His name is Gonzalo Lopez. He is 46 years old. His picture there on your screen. If you see him, do not approach him. Call nine. So, Phil, pretty scary, right? Six days. This is the sixth day this guy's out there. He is what I would call a desperado. You know, uh, he will not hesitate to kill, to to retain his freedom, which he doesn't deserve his freedom. He's supposed to be doing life in prison. And, you know, as they keep saying over and over again, he's a dangerous guy. We appreciate that. But I don't think you did, because if you appreciated it, you wouldn't have such lax uh, security on him while transferring him, transferring him to an alleged medical uh, appointment. So I find that a little bit... Uh, a little bit strange and the fact that all they keep doing is report uh you know talking about how dangerous he is but they didn't they didn't take that too seriously did they does it seem like it billy and uh again if he is in the area still the, the community at large is at great risk because this guy has nothing to lose he's going back to jail forever so whatever he does if he killed someone it's not like it's going to extend his time in jail he's in jail for the rest of his life uh, he's a very, very, very dangerous character. How, uh, just like you said, Billy, uh, they didn't take it very seriously when they were transporting someone of his, uh, you know, immense, uh, you know, capability for criminal activity. Uh, he's got a long sentence ahead of him, rest of his life. And, uh, you know, this is a, a definite concern for the community at large. If he's got help and he's out of the country, I would say all the better. Keep him out of the country. Don't let him back. Let him go commit uh, whatever crimes he's going to do in another place. But uh, he, he belongs behind bars. And if we could get the help of uh, the Mexican authorities to put him you know, back behind bars and send him back to us, all well and good. But uh, I just feel like uh, I'm worried more about the people in the community where he was uh, last seen than anything else in this matter. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Let's play another channel. Developing story out of Texas where the manhunt for a dangerous escaped inmate continues in an area just west of Centerville. That's a town of about a thousand people between Houston and Dallas. Aaron is here with us right now. Aaron Nolan, some 300 law enforcement officers. They have dogs. They have horses. Now in pursuit of this convict, uh, it's now in its fifth day in terms of the manhunt. Any idea where this guy could be hiding? Well, they think it's close, uh, and that's why all the effort right now centered around where is Gonzalo Lopez is right there where, where he originally took off from. They don't think that he's gone very far. In fact, 
Authorities say all the efforts right now are centered very close to that bus location where Gonzalo Lopez overtook a bus before running off. This is a very dangerous man. That's all this guy knows how to say. Monday's media briefing on the search for Gonzalo Lopez included a reminder of why he's been added to the list of the 10 most wanted fugitives in Texas. In 2004, he shot at a sheriff's deputy in Webb County. In 2005, he kidnapped a man. He then killed the man with a pickaxe. Adding to his violent past, his escape last Thursday during a bus trip to a medical appointment, police say Lopez cut through a barrier separating him from the driver. Lopez stabbed him in the left hand, also stabbed him in the chest, but he's doing fine. He's uh, assisting with the with the uh, investigation. Lopez was then able to drive off, but police are crediting a second officer who shot out the bus's back tires <laughs> with keeping a... I, you know, I, I have a problem with that. They're crediting shooting out the back tires. I, I just don't uh, really... That's not uh, resonating with me, you know? Yeah, um, it's just too convenient for me too, Billy. Shooting out the back tires, we're going to credit him with that before we know even... But he didn't shoot the inmate. He shot the tires. Uh, I'm, I'm having a problem with that. Additional inmates from escaping. There were 15 other inmates on that bus. Had Lopez driven away in that bus with 15 inmates on it, we could be looking at an entirely different situation here. Oh, like we're supposed to be thankful that they didn't get away with the other 15. No, your incompetence is what we're not thankful about. So stop trying to sell that to us. Police say they have received several tips and a few reported sightings of the escaped inmate. We saw the inmate. Oh, my God. But so far, no luck. Until they get him, police are vowing a relentless pursuit on foot, on horseback, and from the air 24-7. Right now, Texas police continue to search for Gonzalo Lopez in his fifth day. This is not the first time he's escaped. The last time he did it, he was on the loose. For four days. Now, right now, the reward for information leading to the recapture and the rearrest of Gonzalo Lopez Adrian is up to $50,000. All right, Aaron, thank you so much. So, Phil, uh, you know, this is actually the sixth day. They're insisting that he's in the same area. Um, I don't think I believe that. I think he's maybe on the move at night. Regardless of how difficult it is, how hot it is, and how it, uh, it's rough terrain. He's a inmate facing life in prison. He's out free right now. He will do whatever he needs to do, including all kinds of unbelievable means to stay free and to stay alive. So I don't think he's in that very same area that they're talking about. If he's uh, in the area still, his sustainability is limited unless he found a location that has shelter and food and clothing and all the things that we talked about. And even, you know, uh, six days, maybe that's one night, two nights, six days, it seems unlikely he's still in the area. Uh, again, we don't know. Maybe he did run off into the field and maybe he met with some untimely death and he's not alive anymore. Who knows? But uh, with all the searching that's going on, I would think if that were the case, he would have been found already. Um, it sounds like there's some type of uh, assistance in, in uh, this escape plot. Uh, it's got to be, uh, in my opinion, uh, whether the assistance be at the beginning where he was assisted by the officers to uh, to uh, help him, you know, get through the, the, the gate and, and, you know, to flee the bus and all of that or assistance on the outside. Now that he uh, 
made it free from the bus and went into the woods or whatever it is, and someone's helping him. There's there's assistance somewhere in this uh, in this scenario. I just feel it. I see it. Uh, I think it's almost uh, guaranteed that there was somebody assisting this guy. Like the largest manhunt Texas has seen in nearly 20 years. At least seven different law enforcement agencies involved as the search for 46-year-old Gonzalo Lopez continues. Authorities using everything from helicopters to canine units. The convicted murderer serving back-to-back -back life sentences in Gatesville, Texas, escaped custody on Thursday while on a transport bus heading to a medical appointment in Huntsville, Texas. That, according to the Texas Department of Public Safety. Authorities say he somehow got out of his shackles and managed to get inside the driver's compartment, stabbing the corrections officer driving in the hand. Then, during the struggle... The bus went over the roadway, and at that time is when he jumped off the bus and ran through a pasture and escaped. His escape earning him a spot on Texas' top 10 most wanted fugitives and a $50,000 reward for any information leading to his capture. I-45 and Highway 7 were shut down for several hours. According to the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, Lopez is affiliated with the Mexican Mafia and is considered armed and dangerous. They describe him as six feet tall with tattoos on his back, abdomen, and chest, as well as a burn scar on the right side of his neck. But this isn't the first time Lopez has evaded authorities. In 2004, police searched for him following a car chase and a police deputy shooting. Lopez saying in a police statement he fled to Mexico with the help of the cartel. Almost a year later, he admitted to killing a man with a pickaxe to the head. Prior to this recent escape, Lopez's next parole review date was set for 2045. If any citizens in this area see someone that is suspicious, you have his picture that you're putting out on social media and on your uh, broadcasts. If anybody sees this man, do not attempt to take him into custody by yourself. And that region where he's believed to still be hiding is treacherous. Of course, high temperatures there in Texas, the high above 90 degrees today. It'll be difficult for him to find water. There are also wild hogs that are often loose in that area. One of the many reasons that law enforcement hopes he will turn himself in. Those wild hogs are a little bit scary. I would, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be out late at night with some wild hogs in the field. But uh, I think he's probably not in that area. I think he's someone removed him from that area. Yeah, there's something going on, Bill. I would just want to uh, address one of the comments. Uh, just he says that it's very disappointing to hear you say that he should commit crime elsewhere. I mean, all life is important, not only Americans. Listen, I don't mean it that he should be go kill people in another country. I'm just worried about. Our country, the United States, if he escaped back into Mexico and he's getting help from the government and they're, they're corrupt there, that's what I'm talking about. I don't want him to harm anyone in our country. I don't want him to harm anyone anywhere. He should have been, uh, you know, not able to escape. And uh, you're misreading what I'm saying. I don't want him to harm anyone. Let me make that clear. But I don't want him in the United States doing a, a harm to the community in Texas. I don't want him. I want him either behind bars or out of the country, let uh, get rid of him. We don't need him in our country. He's a menace to society. I think America first is the point that I'm trying to make, and it is what it is. I'm not going to uh, uh, go further into a political uh, debacle, but uh, it's not that I want him to commit crime or hurt anyone else. That's not what I'm saying. Bill, let's take a quick commercial break here. 
Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you could email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. Looking for a vacation oasis? The Comfort in Oceanside in sunny Deerfield Beach, Florida has you covered. Take a dip in the outdoor heated pool with a water slide for the kids. Have a cocktail poolside or relax in the Oasis Courtyard Lounge. Just a short walk to the best restaurant shops and the Deerfield Beach International Fishing Pier. Soak up the sun, swim in the pristine blue ocean, or stroll along the famous beach. Maybe enjoy a sunset from a beachside restaurant. Guests enjoy a complimentary breakfast and free brewed coffee 24-7. If you mention police off the cuff at booking, you'll receive a 20% discount. That's right, a 20% discount. So book your stay today by calling 954-428-0650. John Beatty Law, www.jbeattylaw.com. John Beatty is a renowned personal injury attorney. He also retired as a decorated NYPD sergeant. John comes from a proud NYPD and FDNY family. He was an active sergeant in Brooklyn North and supervised in the legal bureau. John is a proud member of the Honor Legion and the Blue Knights. John Beatty litigates across the country for seriously injured victims and has helped recover over $200 million for grieving families. Call John now for a free consultation. John Beatty, 917-797-9520. John Beatty Law www.jbdlaw.com. Looks like we have a lot of lawyers uh, advertising with us. So, you know, there's no new, really new information. Um, uh, Frank Marsha, a former correction. Bill, I remember doing duty at a hospital with an inmate who had open heart surgery. I was there armed and the inmate was shackled to his bed in a coma. So what happened here? This is interesting. Good point. Good point. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, one of the things uh, that I never liked that the NYPD always had to do was to, to guard hospitalized prisoners. And um, so officers that weren't specifically trained in the guarding of prisoners would sit with a prisoner in a hospital, some real dangerous prisoners in a hospital. And you always had to wait till corrections took over that assignment because I don't think it was a good assignment for uh for cops to do it's just not it's not their expertise i'll put it that way well don't forget billy when an inmate goes to a jail for treatment uh it's not a secure facility the the only secure is the fact that the inmate is either handcuffed shackled whatever and the officer usually it's one officer that's guarding that prisoner so if he somehow gets a weapon overpowers the officer he's not in a secure facility inside of a jail uh there's many many uh, barriers that you have to get through to uh, facilitate an escape in a hospital, you know, who's going to stop you? You know, you have unarmed hospital security and, uh, you know, they're usually out the door. So that's the most vulnerable place for uh, prisoners uh, to facilitate an escape uh, when they're being treated medically at a hospital. Love wins. I'm glad you've said that. It seems like a moral conflict of interest for a former police officer to become a defense attorney. I opine. I mean, look, uh, District attorneys who prosecute criminals, they become some of their, the very best defense attorneys because they know the other side of the coin. And the same is true with police officers. 
they know the other side of the criminal justice system, so they can actually become outstanding defense attorneys, whether you think ethically that's okay, that's for them to deal with. And uh, I'm sure the police officers and the former district attorneys that go on the other side of the fence, they deal with that. You know, one other point, Billy, uh, the law in the United States, the criminal justice system says innocent until proven guilty. So not all people that face trial may be guilty. So this is why, uh, you know, the system is put in place with the criminal justice system. We have a defense attorney. And if you have a good defense attorney and you're not guilty, a good defense attorney can get you, you know, cleared of the criminal charges. And if not all the letters of the law are followed in a particular case, that's when a defense attorney can, uh, you know, find the kink in the armor and, and uh, have the, uh, you know, the charges uh, dropped or, you know, found not guilty and uh, acquitted. So that's really what the criminal justice system is in the United States in place for. And uh, like Bill just stated, a, a good uh, police officer that becomes an attorney might be, uh, you know, more skilled on both sides of defense. You know, folks, a lot of you are suggesting that um, prison inmates should get <clears throat> all of their care and all of their court dates and all that within the prison system. Probably a good idea. Yeah, I think uh, a, a lot of stuff does take place inside the prison. However, when there's a critical situation, a, a, an injury that requires uh, an emergency room visit or, you know, someone is critically uh, not going to make it, the obvious, uh, you know, th they take uh, the inmate to the local hospital. Uh, and again, that's one of the most vulnerable places that uh, an escape can be facilitated. So, you know, uh, we have uh, uh, a system in the United States that uh we care for life, uh, whether it be a person that is incarcerated or a person that's, you know, free to walk the streets. So, uh, you know, healthcare is uh, going to be followed, the protocols for healthcare, whether it be a, a person that's an inmate or a person that walks into an emergency room with a critical injury. So, uh, again, yeah, a lot of the stuff does take place behind the walls of the jail, but there's certain things that just, uh, you know, critical injury that's not going to be uh, facilitated inside the jail. So they take them off to the hospital. Well, folks, uh, we're going to stay with this case right now. This is day number six of uh, uh, Gonzalo Lopez being at large. It's He's a dangerous inmate, as has been reiterated time after time by everyone uh, covering this. Phil, final words. Final words. Um, listen, this guy, we know he's a danger to the community. Uh, let's hope that he's captured real soon. Uh, investigation is going to reveal what exactly took place. They may know already and they're just not putting it out there. They may be playing along for the different reasons of, uh, you know, techniques of an investigation, but, uh, let's get this guy back behind bars. I don't want him to harm the hair of the head of a person, anyone, anywhere, whether it be in the United States or elsewhere, but, uh, let's get him back behind bars where he's, uh, belongs and let's make sure that the security measures that uh, are in place are adhered to, and this doesn't happen again. Absolutely. Folks, uh, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you soon. Until we do, stay safe. Stay safe, everyone. One episode, just ain't enough.